Grasp the Bible is a podcast of Spring Baptist Church that walks through selected books of the Bible verse by verse to help you understand and apply God's Word in daily life. This is our 30th episode. Thank you for joining us today. Now, each week, Pastor Daryl Stein of our Klein campus, he walks verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Now, this week is a little bit different. For those of you that don't know, we actually record the content for each podcast on Sunday night in front of a live group um, as a Bible study as part of our Sunday evening activities here at Spring Baptist Church. This last week, we didn't get to record Pastor Daryl. If you'd like to talk about that a little bit, it might still be a little painful, but uh, go ahead and, and, and tell us why we didn't get to record this week. Yeah, it was painful, all right. I uh, ended up going to an emergency room uh, early in the morning on Sunday morning, like around two o'clock in the morning. Um, not sure what was going on. Turns out the doctor believes it was food poisoning. That is so awful sounding. <laughs> it was miserable. You know, at one point I thought, I don't think I'm going to die, but I kind of wish I would just to get some of the pain over with. Well, we are glad that you're feeling better and that you're back with us. So we just decided it was a great time for us to do one of our ideas that we have from time to time. This won't be a verse-by-verse teaching today, but we're going to talk about some things and some information that people who have been listening to us for the past 29 episodes might find interesting. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about... Um, how each week's podcast comes together. Now, do you want to, let's start at the very beginning. Tell us how you choose the books that you do each week um, as part of the Bible study. Well, uh, let's talk about this fall, for example. So over the summer, we came up with a schedule of Sundays uh, that were open for the teaching. And then what I would do is look through uh, the, the Bible and see if I can find a number of chapters that would match up with the number of weeks we have. And so I would go through and make certain selections, uh, trying to keep certain themes. So, for example, at one point we went through the Pauline epistles um, uh, of First and Second Timothy and Titus as well. So the pastoral epistles, I taught on those because they all belong together. They hang together very nicely as a group. Uh, other times, uh, I will go and preach uh, maybe two different letters back to back so we can see what happens from the very first time someone like Paul writes to a church and then when he has, sends a second letter as a follow-up, what issues is he addressing? What's going on? What changed from the first letter? So trying to teach people to see some bigger ideas about how all these books hang together. Okay, very good. Well, you brought up a really interesting point. Um, we go to seminary or Bible college, and we spend a lot of time learning how to break the Bible down in kind of a systematic way. Um, But a lot of times, the people that um, don't realize how much goes into the preparation, um, do you want to talk a little bit about the idea of um, context and understanding that we call it hermeneutical, you know, understanding, Mm -hmm. but do you you want to tell the folks a little bit about how, how, how you think as, as as you interpret these things to bring to us. Right. Well, Marty, you know, I have a master's degree from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and the big push for preaching goes is what they call text-driven preaching. In other words, the text gets to decide what we're going to be preaching and teaching on. We don't impose our viewpoints on the text. In other, but what we do, though, is we allow the text to shape what we're teaching and what God is trying to show us, because the big author, God, is using the little author, the human writer, 
to convey a message that he wants his people to hear. And so um, as I go about my studies, I always ask myself, what is God, what was God showing his original audience back then? And then now, how does that apply to us today uh, as we live here in Spring, Texas in the 21st century? Okay, now with all of that said, now there's kind of two ways to look at every passage. Um, you tend to, to, to look at it within context, context and, and what we call that um, exegetical. Mm-hmm. And what's the other view and why is, or the other way of doing it, and why is that way dangerous? Yeah, so uh, there is exegesis, which is what do we get when we pull information out of the text? Then there is eisegesis, which is actually us imposing our view onto the text. And so uh, I think God probably knew better about the message that he wants to convey much better than me. And so in exegesis, we let the text itself, um, the book, the passage, the sentence speak as to what God originally intended it to be, and then try to apply that to a 21st century world. It, it's very easy if you listen to the radio or books or TV. A lot of our very popular Christian authors tend to isolate passages. Like one, one of the passages that I, I studied counseling in, in seminary, one of the passages people always bring up is Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, for all of that. People pull that out in the midst of moments of, of, of pain and loss or, or just hard times in their life. And what we find is, yes, that is an encouraging passage, but it's not what we think it is. Right, exactly. And so, this is the great thing about working verse by verse through an entire book of the Bible, is that you see from the beginning to the end of the book what the author is doing. And when we go in and we say, I'm just going to read this one little passage of this book, we can take things out of context very easily and not understand what the original application was. Now, let's talk about the Jeremiah passage, right? God had been telling his prophets, you need to tell the people, you're going to go into exile, there were some false prophets who were saying, no, we're not going to go. And eventually some false prophets said, well, we will only be in Babylon for a short period of time, and then we're going to come back. And God was telling Jeremiah, no, you tell the people they're going to be gone for a long time because of their disobedience. And in the midst of God giving this message to his people about him sending them away, he offers hope. And he that's when Jeremiah 29 11 comes in. Even though you're exiled, even though you're far removed from the land that I gave you, this is not the end of you. You will not die off here. You're my chosen people. Okay, I will bring you back. And God did bring people back about 70 years later. But that was his promise to them to hang on. They were going to be here for a while, but God always preserves a remnant. And we see that right there in that passage. And so I, I think the first view you'd go, well, it makes me feel good today, you know, to to isolate that or eisegete that passage out. And you think, well, that gives me hope. But isn't there even more hope when you look at it in context when you go that it's not about saving or pulling me out of my, my thing today? It's like literally God has the long game. Seventy years he looks forward in the future and he says, I'm going to hold you for this long period of time. So even in the midst of that, where you think, well, the second interpretation, the right interpretation, is not as hopeful, but it's even more hopeful, because it shows God's big plan, not just this little tiny plan for today's moment. And I think that's what's so powerful about context. When we look at God and go, well, 
Yes, it's easy to look at this on the surface, but when you dive down deep, there's even more depth to it. Absolutely. And that is why I love going through a book of the Bible verse by verse, because we can begin to get a fuller picture of what's happening within each book. I think also one of the reasons I really enjoy walking through verse by verse is that that's how we read our Bible, right? We don't approach the Bible, open it up and say, okay, what passage is it opening to today? And I'll just read this one paragraph or I'll read this one sentence. It's, well, no, we read the Bible. We open up a book of the Bible. We start with chapter one, verse one and work all the way through. We read all the way through till the end of the book. It's like reading a novel, right? And this, this is how I like to see it. Would you ever pick up a 200 page novel and say, you know what, I'm going to read this book, but I'm going to start around page 100, middle of the page, and I'll just read some. Well, you're going to be lost like crazy. You won't know what's going on. The beauty, though, is if you start on, on page one of the 200-page book and read, the author is telling you information you need to know, so by the time you get to page 100, you can look back and understand how the story makes sense. So when we begin to work through one book of the Bible at a time, you may get to chapter 3, 4, or 5, and you'll understand looking back, oh, I see where the author of the book is going with all of this. Well, and I also think from a teaching standpoint, you know, I, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm the worship pastor here at Spring Baptist Church, and I mostly do worship and music, but from a teaching pastor standpoint, from those, you, you Pastor Mark, uh, Pastor Barry, others that teach from the platform and other things, going verse by verse actually gives you a little bit of freedom when you have to come to a hard passage, you're like, I didn't just choose this today to beat you up. Like, it's just what comes next in this logical pattern. And it, it kind of frees you up to fully interpret, embrace, and teach a passage because you're like, well, this is just where, I, this is where we are today, so I'm going to work on it. <laughs> yeah. And also going through books of the Bible verse by verse, um, you know, it forces us to deal with those complex passages, like you said, because there are some passages in the Bible that it's like, oh gosh, you know, what can, what do I say about this? This is hard. I'll just, I just won't cover this when I'm preaching. But when you do verse by verse going through a book, like you said, you hit against that passage and now you don't have a choice, right? You have to uh, really dive in deep, do a lot of studying and a lot of prayer to make sure that we understand truly what the book is saying at that particular point. Well, like you to go to your point there, the the context. You get to a hard passage. Well, the entire first part of the book may be leading up to that hard moment, so you get to see the context. And it's not like you have to cover the context in three minutes and then try to expose a passage. Now we're talking about uh, looking at it, and you just talked about diving deep into it. Let's go to the next thing that I, I kind of wanted our folks to get to hear about, and that is how do you prepare? I. I see you in your office, you know, <laughs> doing these things. Most people don't. So tell us uh, about your preparation, um, how it works. Um, now, every, to be clear, everybody does this differently. Mm -hmm. uh, Pastor Mark has his way of doing it, um, and Pastor Hill, they, they all do it a little differently, and I'm not sure there's a right or a wrong way, but I would like for our people to hear how you do it and the amount of time you put into it. Yeah, so once I've decided on a particular book of the Bible— um, one of the things that I'm going to do is, is, is pray throughout the entire process from beginning all the way through right when I walk up to teach it. It is all covered in prayer because the words I speak, I want to make sure if I'm saying, thus saith the Lord, I want to make sure that these are truly his words and not my words. So prayer, of course, is the, is the biggest thing. Number two, 
I will re- sit down and read through an entire book of the Bible in one sitting, and I'll do that several times over to get a sense of the flow and to help me better understand. So if I have a five-chapter book, um, I will read that, that five-chapter book through multiple times so that by the time I go back and begin my preparation for chapter one, I know the full story and I can see how the story all hangs together. So what I will do then is when I begin with chapter one, verse one, is I will simply go through the original text and try to understand what was happening. Uh, if it is in the Old Testament, uh, I will look at the Hebrew and try to understand some of the original Hebrew words because these words have different meanings. And so uh, it's important for us to understand the original language, whether Hebrew or Greek. And then um, what I'll do is I will begin to manuscript out what I'm going to talk about. And then what I'll do occasionally is I will consult the experts. Right? Fortunately, there are people who are much smarter than us who have gone through and they've done extensive studies through the books of the Bible. So I will check what is my interpretation compared to some of these other experts. And we find those in books called commentaries. And a commentary um, is simply uh, really a more uh, thorough uh, explanation or exposition of that particular text to tell you uh, what are the key issues, uh, where have people differed in the past in their interpretation of it, um, what some of the original languages mean. And so uh, I'll go to commentaries, sometimes even Bible dictionaries. When we're dealing with different places of geography, I may go to a map to try to understand where these different places were, where the events took place to help me better understand uh, some of the geography at the time as well. So here's an example for geography. When we read in the New Testament about people always going up to Jerusalem, okay, and then you read about, well, the city was, they're talking about was to the north of Jerusalem. So how could they go up if they're already above Jerusalem? Okay. Well, of course, Jerusalem sat at a higher level, higher ge- geographically. It sat on top of a hill. So when people said they went up to Jerusalem, no matter where you were, north, south, east, or west, you went up because that's the way the terrain sloped. So it's things like that that you get once you begin to dive in deeper into the Bible. You brought up a very good point that I think sometimes we, we don't understand unless we study that the Bible is thousands of years old. Mm-hmm. So the people didn't always think like we think. So we also have to take into consideration how those people thought, taught, uh, the words were different, that all, all those things. So a lot of that goes into your preparation. Now, now, now this is the, the big thing, and, the, and this is just something I found interesting. How long does it take you to prepare a message? From the time I first uh, put pen to paper, it takes about 20 hours start to finish. Now, some some guys um, do it in different ways. You know, they, they think about it. You're very, very methodical. That's your personality, mm-hmm. uh, the, the scientist in you. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, Pastor Hill was actually a forensic scientist for many years and a police officer. He's very, very systematic. That's kind of one of the things he does here for us as well. But I appreciate the systematic approach to teaching. Now, um, that, that being said, let's talk about some of the things that we've learned over the past 29 episodes. Um was there anything in your preparation or in the teaching that surprised you? I know we've been through, what, like eight books of the mm-hmm. Bible since we started this, but is there something just on your mind right now that you go, okay, this is just something that really surprised me after preparing and, and learning? Yeah, the biggest thing is this. Human nature has not changed since the Bible was written. And what I love about as we read through different books of the Bible, we see people acting in certain ways. And uh, especially in the letters that Paul wrote, 
he is chastising people for behaving in certain ways, and we think, oh my gosh, we still do that today. And so one of the reasons it gives me great comfort in my belief that the Bible is authoritative and from God is it completely reflects human nature of how we are, right? It shows people who were liars. It shows people who were thieves. It showed people uh, who were into affairs. It has murder. I mean, it has everything that we see in real life. And I think God put those there to show us, you know, I know human nature, and he addresses those things that we're still dealing with today. I find that utterly fascinating that God is so understanding. I mean, we, we know that about him, but people wonder, wow, you know, how, how can the Bible be true after so many years? And, you know, things around here in America, right, an old building is 200 years old. And let, we're looking at a book that is thousands of years old, written by many different people. The fact that it's still applicable today is utterly amazing. Mm-hmm. But this is the thing that gets me. It's not just applicable. I feel like it is still superior to all of man's knowledge. Mm-hmm. That that even though um, you you know you're talking about commentaries and other things like that, uh, nothing though still beats just reading the Bible. Like you and I can sit down, and it's great to go deep into it and to dig it. But even a brand new believer who has very little understanding can open God's word, and God will illumine them, will show them, will light the way to his truth and his path. You don't have to be a professional. You just have to be willing to spend time in God's word. Yeah, and that's exactly it. And we read throughout scripture that God rewards those who seek after him. And it even says, you know, when we will seek him, we will find him, we seek with him with all of our hearts. And so the beauty is that once we're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And the Holy Spirit inspired people to write the Bible, and that same Holy Spirit can dwell and does dwell inside of us so that as we read God's Word, He will illuminate for us. Now, is it easy? No, it's not, right? But that's when prayer comes in, and just begging God to to show us really what did He intend at the time, and then how does that apply to us today as well? So since this is Grasp the Bible, um, let's dive in and let's do a, a, a little bit of a Bible study, if that's okay. Um, what do you want to What do you want to talk about? Since we're kind of just having fun with this. Yeah. So um, God is showing me the Jonah that's inside of me at times as I'm reading through the Book of Jonah. Because here's the thing: God chose Jonah to go and tell a message of repentance to their enemies. And Jonah did not want that grace, because we're going to find that later on in the book. He knows how graceful God is. And the whole reason he doesn't want to go is because he doesn't want to see God exercise grace towards people he hates. But, God, but Jonah will gladly accept God's grace when he's in trouble. But Jonah then turns around and says, but that grace you showed me, God, don't show that to them because they don't deserve it. And God is always coming back to me and saying, Daryl, remember this is someone I made in my image, and you may not like it, but don't they deserve the same grace that I show you when you were living in all-out rebellion against me? I owe you nothing, Daryl, but I show you grace. Now, tell me, how is it unfair that I show that same grace to them? And it's very, very convicting, because in my sin nature, in my flesh, 
it's very hard at times for me to want to extend grace to those who hurt me. I think it was Jesus that said, to whom much is forgiven, there is much love. Mm-hmm. I think when we remember how much we've been forgiven, mm-hmm. it makes it a lot easier to, um, to, to love our enemies and, and to, to both receive grace and then to give grace out. Now, we're coming into the Thanksgiving season, and as a worship pastor, you know, I always kind of look at things from a worship standpoint, and I always think that Thanksgiving is the beginning of where all worship should come from, mm-hmm. but I think maybe grace kind of has to start with Thanksgiving, too, mm-hmm. like being thankful that God saved me, knowing that I'm not worthy of it, and I think that thankfulness hopefully would drive us towards showing grace to others mm-hmm. in, in, in those situations. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because one of the things I think that is so helpful for us as Christ followers is to teach the gospel to ourselves every day. And here's what I mean by that. If you wake up every morning and you tell yourself, I'm a sinful person, I deserve God's judgment, but by his grace, he sent his son to take my place on the cross. And now I was once a rebel, but now I'm an heir of a king. And if we teach that to ourselves every day, which is biblical, which is 100% true, no matter what you face that day, you can go around and say, I am a son or I am a daughter of the king, no matter what else happens to me. God's grace has given me an an internal residence and an eternal inheritance with him. Now, I think you hit on something there. There are people that have trouble showing grace to others. Then there's people who struggle with the fact that God shows grace to them as an individual mm-hmm. because of something they've done or series of bad things they've done or a life they lived or, or just their personality. Um, we also have to remember that, that God forgave us, that um, even though we don't deserve it, I, I think sometimes it's easy as God is maturing us, it's easy to fall into that, the other side of the road, which is, I am so unworthy. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that grace covers us, covers our sin, makes us new. For by grace we are saved through faith, that not ourselves, it is a gift of God. And not by works that we got it, not by works we'll lose it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we also have to not fall in the other side of the ditch, which is that I'm not worthy. We aren't worthy, but when God tells us we're worthy, who are we to argue? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, um, as we wrap up our time together, uh, any, any, any last parting thoughts um, as, as we uh, wrap up this 30th episode? Yeah, if you have been following along with us, uh, we already have one episode of Jonah that's available. Um, you won't want to miss the rest of these because uh, I think that Going through it verse by verse, you're going to see this book in a new light if you've read through it before. And if you haven't uh, been listening to our podcast until now, let me encourage you, go back, uh, listen to prior episodes, and try to listen to them in order, and that way then you can get a sense of what God was saying to people back then and to you today. Well, very good. Thank you for joining us in this 30th episode. As always, um, check us out on the web at springbaptist.org or download our app to get to know us and so we can interact with you. There are, there's uh, ways that you can connect with us through uh, prayer requests and, and other things. 
Uh, you matter to us. That's why we're doing this. Bible teaching matters. That's why we're doing this. We at Spring Baptist Church, we care um, that God's word is proclaimed and we care about people. And so just know uh, that, that, that we are praying for you as, as you listen each and every week. Join us next week as we continue our study in the book of Jonah. Jonah.